thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard. It can move anywhere in time and space. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Come on! You realize this is a very dangerous place to be in. I am the doctor. You put things off for a day, next thing you know, it's a hundred years later. Even immortals make the odd mistake every few millennia. If we fight like animals, we die like animals! But one day, we should get back. back to Hooing Company. This is Brent. And this is Drew. I know. We get it. We're a few days late for our November episode, but November's a busy month, and we think this episode is worth the wait. It was the 54th anniversary of our favorite show in November 23rd, and to celebrate, we're doing something a little different. Up first, we meet up with the organizers of the Raleigh-Durham Doctor Who meetup group, Amy Dilletri and Brad Gillespie, and find out what goes into putting together a local meetup group and what keeps it going for 10 years. After that, it's time for some interviews. Long Island Who 5 took place a few weeks back, and I was fortunate enough to get not one, not two, but seven interviews with attending guests. The interviews are short, but fun, and in one case, exceptionally weird. (laughs) And all that is coming up right after this. Last night, we did something we had not done before. We met each other. That's very true. <laughs> it's kind of weird. 11, 11 months of doing a podcast together and never having actually physically met one another. Exactly. First time face-to-face. And uh, we were in Raleigh, North Carolina, right next door to my hometown. And you came all the way from Greensboro. It was like, a, like an hour and a half drive, right? Yeah, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. And it was worth it. Yeah, we had a great time. It was the Raleigh-Durham... Doctor Who meetup group, and um, that's easy for you to say. Yeah, that's a mouthful. But we were there at a uh, an Italian restaurant there in Raleigh, um, the Gourmet Factory, and the local event. We had about twenty people there, and they were doing a celebration for Peter Capaldi, and we voted on the top three episodes to watch. And uh, everybody had dinner, watched Doctor Who. It was a great time. Yeah, I am. Um... Uh, see, I was there for uh, Heaven Sent. Mm-hmm. That was number three. Number three. And then we followed that up with uh, Mummy on the Orient Express. Uh-huh. That's number two. And then I left because it was an hour and a half drive <laughs> home, so I didn't get to see the number one top-voted episode. Which one was that? It was The Husbands of River Song. Well, there you go. Very cool. I would not have guessed that. I would not have guessed that, but that's I don't think anybody guessed that. Uh, Even uh, Brad, one of the organizers, he was surprised that that was number one, but it's a good one. Having rewatched it recently, I really really do enjoy it. And while we were there, uh, we did a, a quick interview. Hey, everybody. So we're here in Raleigh, North Carolina, 
Me and Drew are here at the Raleigh Durham Doctor Who fan club <laughs> meetup group. Meetup group, all together here, and uh, we're here with Amy Deletri and Brad Gillespie. Brad's been with the group longer. How did this fan club come about? Uh, I well, ten years ago, about to, really uh, August two thousand seven is when I moved down. Well, my family moved down to Raleigh. I've been here for a few months before that, but. Um, and uh, I, you know, I was right in the middle of season three when I came down, and uh, that's—I remember being here in Raleigh, at the place I was renting, and just going out of my mind how great Blink was and, and stuff like that. Um, and uh, and and I was new in the area and I wanted to meet some people, and, and uh, so I kept thinking about uh, starting a meetup group. To I discovered Meetup.com, and um, got around to about—I think it was about October. And I finally said, okay, I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to make a, a meetup group tomorrow. <laughs> and that day, somebody else created the meetup group. <laughs> and that was Patrick Sloan. And, uh, and, um, so, and, and so we ended up founding the group. The first meetup was a little, a little rough. You know, we, we, it was a little, a little weird at a, at a little coffee shop and, and uh, just kind of getting to know people. And, and there were some strange characters that came in that time, I think. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, once we got it off the ground and, um, and uh, started to get to know people, then it was really a, a, a great thing. And, and uh, Patrick was kind of the uh, creative genius. He, we, we had a lot, of, uh, a lot of great ideas about different types of meetups, not just, you know, viewing, um, but we, we would do a... Uh, we did a script read occasionally where we would uh, go online and find one of the missing episode scripts and we'd do it, everybody assign a parts and we'd read them and stuff like that or or we would uh, we'd have certain themes you know always had a theme to every meetup where you know and and, and uh, made it kind of kind of wild and, and uh, now we're you know it's 10 years in uh, Patrick's moved on but uh, um, and our leadership team is keeping it we've got a new leadership team including Amy who's, who's keeping it going um, we've got over 600 people online in the group. I don't know how many of those actually have ever come to meetups, uh, but uh, but a lot of people who you know keep in touch with us that way, and um, and so it's really been a, a big thing. We've been at uh, um, we we did first convention that we made a presence at was uh, Carolina Comic Con when John Behrman was there. Which and, was uh, 2014. Okay, yeah, mm -hmm. and then like a year later. David Tennant made his first appearance yeah. ever at a at a uh, convention in, in Raleigh, here in Raleigh at Wizard World, and that was huge for us. Um, we had we had a presence at that that uh, uh, convention as well, and then just just this last summer um, we were at uh, SuperCon, Raleigh SuperCon, was yeah. here, and uh, had uh, Kelly Yates at our table. Yeah, um, we partnered him with him. He's a big time artist for. Doctor Who and Titan Comics, and I think this summer he was like one of the official artists for Doctor Who work at San Diego Comic Con, so it was really kind of awesome to have him at our table. Um, I think it gives us a little bit more cohesiveness, yeah. I guess more notoriety with people when we kind of partner up with, you know, people who are connected to the Doctor Who world as mm -hmm. well. Um, and I think we hosted a panel with him and another writer as well. Unfortunately, his name is kind of escaping my mind right now. So, um, but no, and we do, yeah, so it's probably the biggest thing we've had all yeah. season. Yeah. 
and it's a, that was a big the convention was a big draw for Doctor Who people too because of River Song. Yeah, Alex Kingston was Ox there, Kingston. and what was great about that weekend that was the day the oh, new yeah. Doctor was announced. Yeah, and we were in our panel um, <laughs> when she found out about the female Doctor. It was awesome. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, um, so that's why you know these days we, you know we we still uh, do a lot of meetups. We. we uh, we kind of try to alternate between viewing type meetups where we get together and watch a show, but we also do uh, social meetups to try to just... Uh, we do movies. Yeah. Um, we've done game nights. Um, we've actually done them here. They've, I think recently, since Doctor Who's become mainstream, we're getting more. Yeah. There's so many games out there. Um, I know we've gone to comic book shops for like free comic book day when they've done Doctor Who comics there. Uh, we actually we listen to recordings a couple times, so yeah, yeah. It's really any excuse to uh, just to get together with like-minded people, you know, who have the same same passion for the show. And, and, uh, As the show progresses, of course, a lot of new viewers are going to be coming who have you know maybe mm-hmm. seen one episode or two episodes, or sometimes maybe nothing at all. They've come in. Do you find that you get folks who are new? Do they feel uh, shy about coming in? Do they come in and, and uh, what's the experience like, like welcoming new members to the fandom itself? Um, I think we always have a good mix. Um, yeah. We actually asked that on one of our questions when you joined the meetup how long you've been watching Doctor Who. I think some people have said, you know, I watched it from the classic years. Some people have said, oh, I just started like with uh, Matt Smith. Um, mm-hmm. So we try to like. I try to talk to people personally, you know, if they're not familiar with the episode, I try to like help them connect with it from, I always ask them who's their favorite doctor, and they usually say a favorite doctor, I'm like, alright, what do you like about this episode? Um, and that's what I think is great about the world of Doctor Who, there's always kind of, you're always be able to connect, one person might like this doctor, one person like this companion, um, and you kind of find someone else that likes that too. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's I mean, that's easy way to get to talk to people is just you know find out how long you've been watching the show and what do you like about it and that kind of thing and, well, that's a know. perfect segue uh, yeah. how did the two of you discover Doctor Who what brought oh, you man. to the fandom <laughs> and just a little yeah. background information for those listening um, you know we are here at the Gourmet Factory and we are doing a countdown of some of the top episodes of Peter Capaldi's run so yeah. you know we're taking a break in between watching some of his better episodes so what was it that you know, what was the episode that brought you into the fandom Legopolis. Legopolis. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it was, uh, you know, I was probably, I don't know, fifth grade maybe or something. On a, you know, and, and uh, um, my my neighbor, my best friend, was turned it on, turned on Doctor Who. He's like, yeah, the show I watch. And, and I had no idea what it was. And it just, and it was all this curly-haired guy turned into the young guy, and then it went off from there. And this was actually when Peter Davison was, was debuting here in North Carolina. Um, and, and it was, uh, you know, it's, I guess, a big thing. And and, uh, and it just captured me, I guess, you know, the, the whole the whole thing about the TARDIS. I mean, figuring the inside, time travel, any, anything could happen, you know, and, and this guy could change. And then... And, and, so, um, you know, we had limited access to the show back then, but uh, uh, it's, uh, I, I stuck, you know, it was, I was huge into it. I read all the Target books and everything, and then, unfortunately, um, I, I moved away from North Carolina after about eighth grade and uh, to Virginia, and they didn't have it there. <laughs> and so I was, I was absent Doctor Who for many years until 
the 1996 movie uh, with Paul McGann. Um, I was actually living in a horse barn somewhere in Virginia and uh, <laughs> had no cable, no nothing, and, and was needed some, some sci-fi fix. And so I started, that came on, and then I went and started buying DVDs and, and, uh, and uh, reading the uh, new novels and stuff and got part of, be part of that wilderness period, big finish, everything after that. Cool. And then, then the new show started. And, how about you? Um, I probably didn't start that early. <laughs> um, I <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I probably joined pretty late to the game. Uh, I had a friend. Her name is Angel Marie. Um, she's a real big geek. Loves Star Wars. Um, I kind of started falling. I was like starting to get into it. I met it with some friends that did. RPG games, um, and she told me that she's like, "Hey, you really need to watch the show. I think you're gonna love it." And I'm like, oh, "I don't know." Like, I was kind of getting into sci-fi a little bit. Um, so for all you kids out there, uh, that's when Netflix still had the DVDs before it was streaming. <laughs> um, so I did first season with Crystal Eccleston. First moment I watched Run, I fell in love with it. I know it's crazy because you got all the plastic people and the mannequins going after, but I don't know. I just, I just like, like you said, I love the TARDIS. I love the concept of him, time travel, and then just kind of like how he connected with Rose just yeah. really got me. So I think in that first episode, it hooked me in right away. I think I kind of binged it in like three days. <laughs> like, that's how much, like, it just caught me in that moment. How much of the classic episodes have you seen? Um, I think with some of the classic, I, like, it was great when it was the 50th anniversary, how they had the classic episodes on BBC, or yeah, they did yeah. the once a month. Um, it, the first classic episode I watched was one of Peter Davison's episodes, where Adric died. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know that was really depressing, but I kind of fell in love with his, and then I, like, started watching a lot of his episodes online, so. Yeah, I mean, this, uh, when I got probably about you know starting with the wilderness years getting the DVDs and stuff you really discover there's a lot that you, when you get into the history of the show then you, there's there's so much you can you can explore you know it's, it's a very different show when you look at the 60s versus the 70s versus the 80s and so forth and it's, so it's fun to sort of compare and, and, and to see how that all fits together well, it looks like uh, we're about to start watching the next episode, so thank yeah. you both for your time and uh, letting us come and join you for, for this meetup experience. Great, yeah. thank you. Thank, thank you for coming. Yeah, let's get people Thanks. listening to uh, Who and Company. Yep. <laughs> Great. Thanks. Well, that was cool. Yeah, I didn't realize it was the same meetup group that I used to attend many years ago, and it's changed quite a bit. Um, another one of the hosts there was Mark Masters, who I met this summer at Raleigh Supercon. Uh, he was the guy that was doing the sound and the TV and everything. Um, and that's how I got reconnected with the group. So, uh, speaking of conventions... Oh, yes. Yeah, you attended LI Who 5 a few weeks ago and grabbed some interviews. I did, yeah. Um, so Long Island Who 2, way back when, uh, was the first Doctor Who convention that I ever attended. And it has been an annual event for me. I get to travel up there with my friends uh, Lee and Nathan from Pixel Who, and it is a and it's an amazing event. The staff are all quite incredible, and uh, I was really fortunate to get a chance to sit down with some guests 
And um, you know what? Let's go ahead and just jump right in, shall we? Uh, the first one is Mr. Sylvester McCoy. How are you this morning? Uh, tired. Yeah. Lacking sleep, jet lagged. Uh, just. Yeah, was it yesterday I flew in from London? Uh, the day before that, I was working, running up and down a tower in Berlin. Well, near Potsdam, between Potsdam and Berlin. Being chased by people with guns trying to kill me. And um, here I am. Yeah. Exhausted and tired and jet-lagged and delighted to be here. Good. Glad to, glad to have you. Um, uh, the first thing I'd like to talk about uh, is this. Your likeness uh, for the Doctor's Time and Space Collection by the Roger Hargreaves Foundation. Uh, now, I, I'm a children's librarian. The, your book is not in here because um, my kids really uh, wanted to check it out and read it. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that you were voted cutest uh, doctor person uh, from the entire eight set. Uh, and that there was actually two kids that fought over which one of them got to check out your book. Uh, and take it home with them. Oh, nice. So, I just wanted to... This one rather good, <laughs> There we go. Isn't that nice? Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Seven. Dr. Seven. Seven, yeah. Did you uh, ever read the Mr. and Mrs. Uh, books uh, to your kids when, yeah, they, when they were younger? when they were younger, Is that a yeah. part of their, their growing up? Yep. Yeah, they'd be chuffed that I'm now in one, I'm sure. <laughs> so no one sent it to you and said, hey... Here's his book. This is your story. I have seen it. I don't know whether they have sent it to me or not. But I know I've seen it. I, I think I've got a copy somewhere. I don't know where it came from, but I seem to have one. Yeah. Oh. Of Doctor Number 7. Yeah. Well, it's good. I mean, uh, this is something that was kind They're of a part popular. of my show. Oh, very popular. Yeah. We, we can't keep them on the shelves, which is really good. You oh, know? yeah. That's great. You know, anytime you get a book that you can't keep on the shelves, then that's a successful book. Yeah. So that means something... Uh, so one of the things that we do on our podcast is we bring on Doctor Who guests from all walks of life, uh, and we talk about something other than Doctor Who. Uh, and yes. currently, one of the things we like to talk about is um, what they're watching, like television-wise. Are you a television person? I'm sorry. Do you like watching television? Because obviously you're a television person. <laughs> yeah, I like watching t- I do watch it, not regularly, because my life is so irregular. Um, but I'm, I'm now into uh, binge watching yeah and I just finished watching a thing a British television program called The Liar uh-huh. which was brilliant and uh, Peter Davison was in it playing a rather slimy man he was great he was absolutely brilliant in it um, yeah uh, what else do I watch I kind of watch um, things like House of Cards um, I'm not into fantasy or fiction Fantasy fiction. I'm into, you know, something I can really believe actually happened. Right, right. So slimy politicians is is definitely and oh, sadly a fact, right? So. Yeah, I mean, sadly now, House of Cards doesn't have to be written. It writes itself. Yeah. It's been written by a lowlife who's in high office. We're in Britain, we've got this cartoonist, and he does this brilliant cartoon of um, that president who... Shall be nameless, although his name in English means fart. <laughs> so, President Fart, um, and the cartoon has 
uh, is of uh, a toilet seat. You know his head? His, yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that is a toilet seat, which seems to be very appropriate because he's so... It's extraordinary, really. Just full unbelievable. Of he's full of poo. Yeah. And not Winnie the Pooh. No. That would be enjoyable, but a little yeah. weird and a slightly disturbing, I think, <laughs> especially for younger audiences trying yes. to understand well, what the, who the target for that is. Yeah, well, it's a bit weird and disturbing yeah, well, for all yeah. of us now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what else are you... I blame the you? Scots, you see. His mother was a Scot. Now, she hadn't left the Outer Hebrides and gone to America. You might have had someone different. It's true. I mean, can we blame the Scots for most things? Yes, or? McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, you can bring them for that. Yeah. Um, yes, that's that was, uh, and also, well, we came over here and kind of robbed, stole the country from the people who were happily wandering around this wonderful land. A long time ago, wasn't it? It was. It was. But then those poor Scots were kicked out by. The English, because they kicked them out of the Highlands and put sheep in instead, because it was they made more money out of sheep than sure. out of human beings. Send them to America, Australia, Canada, all around the world. Make them into three Doctor Who's. There you go. Uh, <laughs> happily sable. This has been Blame the Scots with Sylvester McCoy. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> but I am a Scot. So I'm allowed. I know. I know. Absolutely. Well, I'm getting the wrap-up signal. So thank you very much for joining us today. All right. Okay. Cheers. Yeah, so that's the seventh doctor, Sylvester McCoy. I, I met him uh, at my very first Doctor Who convention, Chicago TARDIS, many, many years ago. He is uh, quite a pleasant fellow. Uh, obviously, you know, you, you talk to these <clears throat> you talk to these different actors and they go to a lot of conventions and there's a time difference, right? There's a lot of jet lag that, that happens and you can tell he was he was sleepy. It was the very first interview of the day. It's nine o'clock in the morning. He had just been in London. I think he said uh, Germany like the day before. So, you know, uh, it it took a little bit of time to him get him going. But he is he's quite a pleasurable folk to uh, to talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of uh, pleasurable people to talk to, our next interview. I had to do uh, some prep work for this one. Um, I was I asked if I could interview. Uh, one of the guests at the convention, not just sit down for a quick interview, but actually on stage, full one hour long panel. And they asked me who you wanted. And I said, well, I didn't know who I wanted, but I knew I wanted to talk to somebody. And I thought about it and I thought, you know, it would be a really unique experience to sit and talk with it being the 40th anniversary of K9, the voice of K9 himself, Mr. John Leeson. So uh, they gave me a panel called tweaking the tail, which was, in discussion of John Leeson's autobiography that had just come out a couple of years before. So I read that, and I know this is a weird thing for a librarian to say, but it was <laughs> the only chapter book I have read this entire year. So I've read a lot of kids' books, a lot of them, and I've read a lot of graphic novels, a lot of them, but I hadn't actually read a cover-to-cover chapter book uh, until this one, which is it's a really good read, and if you want to learn a little bit more about an actor's life, I recommend it. Um, it's almost impossible to find in physical copies for under twenty-five or thirty dollars, but you can download it digitally pretty pretty cheaply. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so here's John Leeson. 
Our guest today is John Leeson, who is, of course, uh, an actor, a wine connoisseur, a, a sommelier, uh, a, among other things. But, of course, uh, many of our listeners will know him as the voice of K-9. That is correct. Oh, thank you so All much. words to that All effect. All words to that effect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, of course, we are at Long Island Who 5. And what we like to do on our podcast is we like to bring folks from all walks of life uh, who are Doctor Who fans or f- fans or a part of it, and, you know, they're connected in some way, and then we like to bring them together and then not talk about Doctor Who. Um, not necessarily not talk about Doctor Who, but that we... sounds a jolly good idea. Well, marvelous. You, I figured you probably yes. talked a lot about Doctor Who, so the thing is, you know, there's a lot of other things out there that y- yes, you indeed. enjoy. What would you like to talk about? Well, I'd like what to talk you about... What did you have for breakfast? Well, uh, what did you have for breakfast? Well, I had something that was lukewarm when it was delivered to the plate. Was it supposed and, to be lukewarm? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, not for me to ask. But then by the time it got to the table, it was stone cold. Mm. So there's a happy morning. For now, if it was actor. cereal, I would like to point out that it's supposed to be like that, John. But yes. if, it, if it was, for instance, <laughs> hot cakes no, or indeed. No, hot indeed. cereal, then, of course, then we have a problem. Well, I apologize for that. Not that I should be apologizing. I don't run this hotel. Um, what I'd like to talk about is television. Are you a connoisseur of television? Do you know, I don't think I am particularly. Um, I sort of live a moment at a time. Sure. I've always had to do that as an actor. Um, and I think I made the dreadful mistake some weeks ago, because I've been to conventions endlessly over the last couple of months, because I'm, well, K-9 is 40. Yes. And I expect was trying to explain to fans that I am not a fan of Doctor Who. It's a dangerous thing to do, but what actually I meant by it, and I hope I explained my way out of it, was saying that my uh, dynamic was one of um, subjectivity, Mm -hmm. and theirs is of objectivity. Right. They see the whole span, the whole history of Doctor Who, and my goodness me, some of them I know detail. It's just, some of the detail they know is absolutely fantastic. But I just simply work on one story at a time, being the voice of, <coughs> yes, shut up, uh, being the voice of, of K9. And uh, then I move on to the next story. Sure. And the, the previous story has sort of got lost in the, in the wilderness mm. somewhere. So I live a moment at a time. So do you have a television in your home? Uh, I'm afraid so, yes. Yeah. yes. So do you ever just sit down in front of it and see what's on? I watch the news. You watch the news. <laughs> is, that, is that sort of exclusively the, the news? Is, it's is not necessarily the most pleasurable thing one can do these days. No, no, no it really no, isn't. Absolutely not. But um, comedy programs I quite enjoy. Uh, I watch reruns of comedies and things. Like what? So, so, for instance, if you were to recommend a comedy, something that really tickles your funny bone, oh. that you think people should know about? With a very British, like Yes Minister. Yeah. Um, I absolutely love I love good scripts yes. in any event. Mm-hmm. Um, some dramas I follow, which... If they're badly scripted, I just scream with horror. Well, I don't, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> my insides do. Uh, but if, if you've got a really good script, which is a fantastic trampoline for actors to bounce on, and if they're well-directed, then that is something I can really uh, uh, get into. 
but uh, generally speaking, I'm I'm not necessarily a, a fan of television either. Oh dear, I'm making myself sound very boring. No, no, no. There's many more things to discuss, and that's <laughs> fine. And it's just nice that we have you here to discuss or not discuss favorite programs. So uh, I see that our time is is running out. So John Leeson, thank you very much for for very briefly joining our program. Y'all, very welcome, Master. Uh, sadly, by the end of the convention, Mr. Leeson's voice, uh, he had just done so much talking and so much canine impersonations uh, that he didn't have anything left in the tank to do a uh, Who and Company spot for us. I had this little script written out uh, to do it in canine's voice, and he attempted and it just cracked, and he just he apologized. He was very sweet about it. Uh, Le sigh. Um, but, you know, c'est la vie. Up next... Brent, let me tell you, I mean, as amazing as Sylvester McCoy and amazing as John Leeson is, the fact that I got to sit down with our next guest and even share a room with him uh, is a little mind-boggling that he even comes to these conventions because this is Waris Hussein. This is this is the director of the very first episode of Doctor Who. This is... Uh, I meant... I met Terrence Dix four years ago at the f- the first LA who I went to, and I got the same sort of feeling in that this is such a part of the history of the program. It's such a unique experience. I don't know what his convention history is. I don't know if he goes to a lot of these or not. But he came, and I was there, and it was fantastic. And here he is, Waris Hussein. So, our guest this morning is Waris Hussein, of course, is the director of a number of Doctor Who episodes, including the very first one, yes. who is part of our subject of uh, an adventure in space and time, which was, of course, quite excellent. Um, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you're yeah. here. I'm thrilled to be sitting next to you. You're right. Um, one of the things that we do on our podcast, Who & Company, is... We bring on guests who are connected to Doctor Who in some way or are fans of Doctor Who in some way, mm-hmm. and then we talk about something other than Doctor Who. Okay. Because uh, we understand that Doctor Who is not the end-all and be-all of right. people's fandom. Yes. Are you a television kind of person? I mean, obviously you're involved with television, but yeah. as far as uh, uh, consuming the medium personally, or do you like watching TV? I do watch TV. I, I watch as much as I can, but you know the danger is that if you simply sit and watch all day and all evening, you're not going to do anything else in your life. So you have to be selective, right? So I, I, I'm a, yeah, absolutely a TV watcher. So let's say you are wanting to watch television. You're not 100 percent sure what it is that you want to watch. You sit down. You're flipping through channels. Mm-hmm. What is the show right now that you, if you could recommend one program, what is the show that if you were flipping through channels, you would stop to sit down and watch? that you would recommend to someone. It's like, have you seen so-and-so? Yeah. Uh, the thing is that it's difficult because, as you know, the choices are infinite and one has to be choosy. Uh, and I'm not the sort of person who plans ahead and looks at what's going to ha- happen during the week or during the month. Sure. But I notice certain things that I underline. Uh, I tend to go for dramas. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, I like one-offs, but I know nowadays it, they're all basically series. Sure. Um, the trouble with series is that you have to either follow them from A to, to Z, or you've got to record them, and then when you watch them, time is of the is limited, you know, mm-hmm. in one's activities. So what I try to do is watch for things that I really want to see. Um, 
I'm also, I have to confess, a soap addict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, there's a big difference between the soaps in England as opposed to America. And uh, as I live in both countries, I find myself being totally schizophrenic in my choices. <laughs> uh, in, 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 in England, we have certain things like uh, there's a show called EastEnders, which is uh, uh, four times a week. And it's, you know, full of gloom and doom in East End of London and of working class people actually what's fascinating about all that is that the reality goes out the window because none of these people seem to live in abject poverty they all right. have gorgeous houses I keep looking at some of those homes in the East End and this shows and think those houses are worth at least two or three million what are they doing in there anyway that's my beef is that I sit and watch anyway uh-huh. all these things that happen there's everything from murder to incest to God knows what uh, uh, people with all sorts of addictions then I come over here and if I'm not doing anything and I, don't, I hasten to add I'm not an addict to the point where I say I've got to watch The Guiding Light or whatever it is as the world turns sure. but if it happens to be on I'm sorry to say I cannot get away from them because I'm fascinated by all the gorgeous people appearing and thinking now this is not the real world <laughs> you go and sit in an airport waiting for a delayed flight and you're waiting for all these gorgeous people and you don't see them but they're all on the screen so I seem to so I'm an addict for things like that but then joking apart I love documentaries mm-hmm. and I'm also a news addict I do watch a lot of news and even certain uh, uh, channels like CNN which is inter- international I watch CNN in England as well as here uh-huh. I watch MSNBC I'm a Rachel Maddow addict I absolutely switch on to her yeah. because I think she's amazing yeah. and she gets to the heart of the situation sometimes to the horror of all the people who don't think that she's I mean, a lot of people wish she wasn't saying what she does because she's brilliant. So I watch these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, of course, there are... So Now, I have to confess, Doctor Who is something that, as I'm involved with, uh, I do see in sort of passing. But again, I'm not somebody who has stayed with it all through its time. Sure. Uh, I'm not really a follower of any of these uh, sci-fi uh, TV shows. Uh, partly because... I think I've, I've got a kind of loyalty to Doctor Who. So things like, uh, you know, anything else that has followed, I just let it happen. Sure. Uh, so th- that's my answer to being a TV addict. You, you, it seems like you are well-versed in, in television in general. Do you feel any kind of, I don't know, paternal protectiveness to Doctor Who? Even if you don't keep up with it, do you, ah, do you, do you feel like, you know, yes. look, you were there from the beginning, so, you know. Um, I feel like a parent, I should say now a grandparent. Sure. Uh, of Is it grandparental if we refer to it? <laughs> would we say grandparental? I would say grandparental feelings. Uh, yeah, because, look, uh, I was there at, at the start. It's like you give birth and now you watch what's going on with it. And it's now become so huge and it was something that I never thought would happen to me or to it. So I've got a kind of affiliation and a loyalty to it. And uh, that's my take on it. Uh, But there are huge chunks that I've missed out on because my career took me in different directions and I wasn't able to concentrate on the development of these things. So now I'm hearing about things that I don't know anything about. And and fans were totally, you know, involved, come up with 
questions and I simply don't have any answers. I say, yeah, I, I, yeah, I wish I could answer, but I can give you a, an overall superficial opinion. Yeah. But I can't give you a detailed one. Well, there you go. There you go. Well, thank you so much for being a part of our program. Okay. Uh, thank thank you. you so much for your contributions to the show that has brought you know our listeners to this program <laughs> yeah. and and everyone here at Long Island too to this program because Both. without without your contributions we wouldn't be sitting here today. Thank so you for asking. Thank that. you very much. Right, thank you. I am not ashamed to say that I'm an EastEnders fan also and have been since the early 90s. Uh, anyone that's in the U.S. that's interested can watch the latest episodes one day later on BritBox. But over here on PBS, the shows are literally 10 years behind. <laughs> not what? kidding. Yeah, really? Not kidding. They're showing episodes from 2007 right now. And it's because they show four a week over there and they only show two a week over here. So oh, over the years, okay. it's gotten really far behind. And uh, to give our UK listeners a little chuckle, uh, they've just aired Pauline's death like a couple of months ago. So that's how far behind we are. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about, but <laughs> sure. I, I will take your word with it. And, you know, I wish this is one of those things where I wish I had a better grasp of British television, particularly EastEnders, because I wanted to be able to engage in that conversation. Well, there's I sadly don't know anything about it. There's diff- there's uh, dimensions in time. <laughs> so there's that's a, true, right? Because it's yeah. a Doctor Who. Yeah, there's yeah. I should at least understand who those folks are, so I could appreciate the masterpiece that is Dimensions in Time. And uh, currently, uh, Bonnie Langford is on there. She's a major character in in the is new she episodes. really? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, uh, Warsh Hussein was not the only EastEnders fan. Uh, and I know that folks are probably listening to these interviews are getting a little sick of me doing my my quick introduction spiel. <laughs> this is how we introduce the show. This is how we're putting in there. But uh, yes, Edward Russell is the other uh, mentioned EastEnders in my interview with him. Uh, so let's go to that interview. Uh, this morning I am joined by Edward Russell, a brand manager uh, for Doctor Who. Or, sorry, current brand manager for Doctor Who. Uh, and so one of the things that we like to do on Who and Company is we have uh, Doctor Who guests, part of the Doctor Who community, all walks of life, yep. talk about a program that is not Doctor Who, something that they enjoy, and tell us why that's a part of their lives. So I'm kind of, I'm not, you know, a little inside baseball. Uh, I, we did discuss this last night, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure you have racked your brain for something that is going to completely blow my mind and uh, expand my horizons. So, at Russell, what program are we going to talk about very briefly this morning? Well, it was difficult at first because I wasn't aware there were any other TV programs other than Doctor Who. Good answer. <laughs> but uh, I, I thought about it and I remembered watching some other things. So my TV program would be Top of the Pops. Top of the Pops and why? So Top of the Pops is a TV music show that ran from 1964 to 2006 in the UK. And that was the show that revealed the weekly charts, the Top 40 countdown. would have uh, the act perform live on the show and have uh, the videos and so on and so forth. I'm sure you have equivalent programs here in the US. We probably Bandstand do. Bandstand and so on and so forth <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, and so that was probably the show that I fell in love with about the same time as Doctor Who when I was about three, four years old, 73, 74. Um, and it was all glam rock stars at the time. We had things like Slade and, and dare I mention his name, Gary Glitter, all that kind of stuff that was on screen. And I was just completely mesmerized by all that. And then as I grew up, and my love for Doctor Who sort of went in tandem with it, really, sort of during the later Tom Baker years, he had 
all the disco stuff and bands like Abra and stuff, which have stayed with me ever since. Then with the Peter Davison years, uh, you had all the electro-pop stuff, Human League, going into Madonna and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, uh, at the very beginning of the 21st century, I got a job at the BBC working on Top of the Pops. What? Yes, so uh, I went in working on the website. Within a few years, I was running the website and creating the Top of the Pops 2 website, which is the retro side of it, um, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Getting to interview people like uh, um, Depeche Mode and stuff like that, which was just absolutely brilliant. And I've still loved the show ever since. And I'm going to carry on speaking now, <laughs> because they're repeating it on uh, BBC4 in the UK okay. at the moment. So they're doing it chronologically. Now, like Doctor Who, there's a lot of it that doesn't exist anymore. Right. In fact, there's much more of it missing. There's very little of it that exists before 1976. Uh, so they started showing everything from about 77 onwards um, wherever they can uh, and we're on 84 at the moment and that's proving to be the best year in music ever uh, what's why? It? why? well it's just, it's just I think you've got a real mixture of UK and US artists working really well together so Michael Jackson's at his formative peak so Thriller's just come out uh, you've got Again, I mentioned Human Eagle. They're doing really well. Philoki with Electric Dreams. Uh, Madonna's coming out. Uh, you've got Kate Bush. You've got, again, Depeche Mode, Duran Duran. All these brilliant acts that I really love. So I'm particularly enjoying it. Um, and there's a lot of parallels with Doctor Who, I think, over the years. It's a very different TV show, but it really represents the style and fashion that was in at the point in the way that Doctor Who does. You don't think of it in an obvious way. But when you think of those John Pertwee, Katie Manning stories, they're all about the glam rock. You know, yeah. the platform shoes and so on and so forth um, and you get you, you got the disco Mavellans in uh, in Destiny of the Daleks in 1979 in the way that you've at the same time got uh, Chic on top of the pops so you know it all hangs together for me if uh, someone who weren't in the UK and don't have access to say BBC4 yeah uh, if we if you were going to recommend like an, an episode or an act or some kind of performance that really stood out for you or you felt exemplified the program and what it it accomplished uh, is there something that you would you would recommend like like if we could go and find it on the internet okay so I feel I'm mentioning them for the third time now but there's a performance from Christmas Day 1981 of Human League performing Don't You Want Me mm-hmm. and I feel that typifies Top of the Pops because uh, that song is a very very progressive electro dance track right. which basically formed the rest of the 1980s it's very serious Human League were very dark and mysterious uh, and uh, so on and so forth and that performance has them trying to be cool but there's people throwing party balloons at them and spraying silly string in their mouths and reminding them that it's Christmas Day, so they have to have to crack a smile, which they eventually do. And I think that typifies Top of the Pops. It doesn't matter how sad, how serious the song is, it's a cause for celebration. And now, they're not attempting to sabotage the song, they're just attempting to uh, bring some Christmas cheer to yeah. a performance that is at a, a certain energy level. Completely, completely, yes. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, and so for, how does it feel to have not one but two of the shows that you have you've mentioned kind of exemplified something that was meant to you as a childhood that you've worked with both of them yeah it's kind of amazing really I have to pinch myself that I've achieved this uh, you know you dream of things when you're young and to be able to realise them is brilliant um, it's wonderful um, and I would love to be able to go back to my probably eight nine year old self and say don't listen to people that laugh at you for being a Doctor Who fan or for loving records by ABBA um, and Boney M because one day you're going to make a living out of it <laughs> and you're going to be flown to Long Island to be able to talk about your love for it. It's pretty brilliant. Now, good things come in threes. So uh, we have Doctor Who, we got Top of the Pops. Now, if there was one more program that meant something to you 
that you, you know, let's say you move ahead with in, in the future sometime, hypothetically speaking, yeah. that you could be a part of. Oh, interesting. Uh, you know, so Magic Wand time. We're, we're playing that Magic Wand. It can yeah. be any show that meant something to you that you could be a part of now, even if it's something that's not on and you could bring back. Oh, well, that's such a, a, a amazing thing to say because there are many shows from the past that I'd love to see come back, but whether they will work or not I don't know so I'm going to go with something that's current okay. um, again something very British and that would be EastEnders which okay. is our, um, one of our many soap operas but it's the main BBC soap opera it's been going for over 30 years and I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with it I think as, as in the way the Doctor Who fans have with, with Doctor Who I think that's part of being a fan is you're able to criticise it as long as you do it healthfully and I'm a bit like that with EastEnders I'm not loving it at the moment um, but it's been brilliant on occasions and it's been wonderful in the past will be brilliant in the future so actually if I could work it in the future I could be part of those, the team that maybe helps it become even bigger bigger again. better yeah. um, now with television programming a lot of the times this, this speaks a lot to how television has changed uh, it used to be that you know you'd put the TV on and you'd be flipping through the channels until something grabs your attention of those three programs uh, if you were flipping channels uh, and which one of those would grab your attention enough to make you stop what you were doing and sit down and watch it Oh, that's really interesting. I think, do you know what, I'm, I'm probably going to say, I'm going to, because it's you and me speaking and nobody can hear us, I'm going to go with Top of the Pops rather than Doctor right. Who. Just because you've got three minutes and it's the next thing and it's going to be completely different to the last right. thing. Um, and so that, you know, that's going to make you sort of look a bit further and, and, and hang on. It's a bit like watching MTV. You keep watching it because you think, well, maybe the next song is going to be great and so on and so forth. And that's something great about the music format that it's a sort of three, four minute bursts and stuff. And it's, it's useful for kind of today's because music videos are not nearly as popular as they no, used to be. It's, it's, I don't want to say it's a dying art form because the videos that are out are very well put together, but yeah. it's not like every single band has a yeah. music video. Um, what is it you think about modern consumption of music media that is kind of bringing that down? Is it our lack of interest, lack of energy? Is it attention span? Is it just well, too it cost prohibitive? It's, it's really strange because people talk about... Uh, it, interest span and, and uh, skippability and that if something doesn't grab you within the first 10 seconds then people will stop listening to it and stuff but I'm not sure that's what's going wrong as it were at the moment because I hear stuff and it's all sounding the same it's all kind of got that very slow beat 909 drums um, uh, you know I heard a bit of the new Taylor Swift album which came out today this morning and it, it really didn't do it for me it just sounds like something that could have come out three four years ago so I don't know what it is. I think everybody just wants to play it safe and nobody wants to do anything really brave and different. When we go back to that period in the early 80s I was talking about, every band strived to have a new sound and to be technologically ahead of everybody else. We seem to have lost that. It'll come back again because everything comes around again. Um, but I think that's what's missing. It's everybody wants to be the same and we have to move on. Top of the Pops spends a lot of time watching live performances, right? That's one, yeah. of, the, one of the draws. It's, yeah. Um, is, are there any groups that you have seen recently performed live that you, you really enjoyed? Or is there a group that you haven't seen live that you really would like to see? Well, I am about to see one of my favorite bands live. And all my credibility is going to go now because it's probably right through the floor already after speaking to you for the last five minutes. But <laughs> I'm going to see Banana Rama in two weeks' time. And I'm very excited about that because they There's are... There's no judgment here. There is, they are a wonderful band from the 1980s. Uh, they're reformed in their original lineup. 
because of course one of them Emma Siobhan went off and became Shakespeare's sister had a massive success that way they're all back together and I just I saw this morning the set list from their first show last night I'm not going to give anything away because uh, there you go I go and look at spoilers as well and uh, I'm extremely extremely excited about it Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Edward Russell, joining us uh, on Who and Company. My pleasure. Anytime. I'd love to speak to you again, Drew. Be a pleasure. Oh, you'll be getting a call. <laughs> so that was Edward Russell, and we may be hearing more from Edward Russell and our next guest on a future episode. Uh, our next guest, if you are a big Finnish fan, then... Oof, uh, yeah, he's been there since the beginning. Uh, the, the very second story was called Phantasmagoria uh-huh. with uh, Peter Davison and Mark Strickson. And um, he's in that one way, way back. I mean, he's, he's got his fingers all in that pie. Uh, and actually, speaking of pie, we do discuss a little bit about <laughs> baking in this episode. So without further ado, uh, Mr. Barnaby Edwards. So our, our guest today is Barnaby Edwards, who is a writer, director, actor. There's probably a bunch of other things. Do you cook? I do cook. I love cooking. Are you, are you good at it? I'm a good baker. All right. So what is your go-to recipe? Like People are like, all right, show me what you got. And you're like, all right, boom, number one on the list. Here it is. Okay, right. This is the... Do you have a thing called... I don't know if you have it over here. Called lemon curd. Yes. Great. Okay. So get a jar of lemon curd. Done. I already have it. Okay. Then get some Greek yogurt, about 600 milliliters of Greek yogurt. You speak my language. Okay. And then 600 milliliters of of cream. Uh-huh. Not milk. Not milk, but milk cream. 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 And then you just put those, mix those together and freeze it. And you have the most delicious ice cream. You don't need to take it out and re-stir it. There's no crystals. So you just mix those three things in, put them in the freezer. One jar of, of lemon curd, 600 milliliters of, of yogurt, 600 milliliters of cream, and that's it. My wife is listening to this. This is what we're having for dessert the rest of the week. <laughs> just, just giving you a heads up. No, we, we usually, we have the curd and we spread that over everything it's but it's, it's got fan. something in it that that makes a really proper haagen kind it's, of it's magic yeah it, a little bit of magic that's there's a little bit is. of magic in there that's, yeah. a, that's cool now of course is that considered baking I mean that's not baking that's really baking, baking has so, uh, lots your, of biscuits what's your go to baking I was going to ask you about television but now now I'm kind of intrigued about this baking thing So oh, I don't know I'm a big cookie maker I make okay. lots of different types of cookies what's your go to I think probably comfort so like for instance you're having a bad day maybe it's raining okay it'll be uh Ginger biscuits with crystallized ginger in. Oh, man, you and I, we're like this. Come some, on. Some sapatico going on. They go very nicely with the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever do any uh, gluten-free baking? Yes. I'm not... And I'm, I'm trying to work with spelt as well. Do you have spelt flour over Absolutely, here? yeah. It's quite tricky. It is. It's pretty terrible I think uh, to work with. buckwheat is like... My, my enemy is buckwheat flour. Mm. But, you, I mean, Americans are so good with buckwheat. You're so great at making buckwheat pancakes and stuff like that but it just turns into I've got a horror. brilliant buckwheat pancake recipe we'll send it along to you uh, you know there's we got a nice little grist mill up in the mountains in North Carolina you can get a, a, a fresh thing of uh, buckwheat uh, it is the best you know oh, right. it's, and it's, it's, it has its own flavor like you know you oh, no, I love the flavor you don't, you don't make it if you want a different type of pancake you make no. it if you want buckwheat pancakes right yeah, exactly uh, my wife's got this recipe that is simply just bananas and oatmeal and a couple of just a few other things that's lovely they are just put a little chocolate chips in there and it's super healthy it's really good for you really excellent you just said chocolate chips and super healthy in the same sentence you yeah, realize yeah, yeah. that no 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 listen Chocolate chips, while they may not be physically perfect for you, help to contribute to your mental health. That's and true. We cannot entirely focus on just physical. You know, there's a, there's also, a certain mental aspect to it. Chocolate comes from a cocoa bean, and a yeah. bean 
is a vegetable. So yes. actually, they're really vegetables and very healthy for you. Yeah, you, so you've got grains, you've got a fruit, and you've got a vegetable. Yes, yeah, of course. It's, it's nothing. There's nothing. It's wrong a complete with it. package. It's the it's the food of the future. And then you put you know a little bit of butter on there, a little bit of syrup. There you go. Okay, <laughs> so. Uh, what we normally do on Who and Company is we have folks talk about uh, a television show that is not Doctor Who. And, and yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we could talk about, but very briefly in the two minutes that have just been shown, <laughs> is there a, doc- a non-Doctor Who program that uh, that's kind of your... Are you a TV person? Yeah, yeah, I love yeah, TV. So, so what is, if like, you know, you're flipping through the channels, what's that TV show that's going to make you stop? And go, oh yeah, I'm going to sit and watch this for a few minutes. Did you mean a current TV show or like anything, an old... Anything, anything that's ever been on genre you know doesn't matter because I don't know whether your listeners are going to know but I was an absolute Blake 7 obsessive yeah. Blake 7 was a, a program that came out kind of in the middle period of Doctor Who just late 70s early 80s and it's, it was sort of Britain's answer to Star Trek yes but with about a, a hundredth of the budget <laughs> um, and, and, I, and twice the body count yeah twice the body count I mean I just I loved that show so much and I've made it I've completely warped casting for various different shows in order to work with every member of, of the Blake 7 cast that's pretty brilliant have you, have you worked with Big Finish on their Blake 7 projects no I haven't done that because I work with them all separately I've, worked, okay. I've done Jan Chapel and I've done uh, uh, Gareth Thomas and, and uh, Paul Darrow I've done all of those guys uh, but yeah I was just I was obsessed with that program and uh, it's called Blake 7 because it was supposed to be like the Magnificent 7 as it were but but they kept losing cast members so <laughs> it was, some weeks it was Blake's 5 and then right. other weeks it was Blake's 8 or 9 but it was really supposed to be 7 people Blake 7 but yeah it was a, it's a ludicrous program look at it on, on YouTube but I, I, it is beyond criticism for me whenever I see it I have to stop channel hopping and just watch that because I, I just love the, the program Fantastic. Thank you so much for being a part of our program. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Good luck with all the recipes. Thank you. <laughs> Fun story about Barnaby Edwards. Uh, not only is he just a terrific individual uh, and gives a great interview, but he's also a pleasure to be on stage with. Uh, as I found out on Saturday at Long Island Who, it turns out that their original interviewer, whose name was also Barnaby Edwards, was supposed to do a panel called Barnaby Edwards versus Barnaby Edwards. Uh, Barnaby Edwards did not show up. Uh, so they asked me if I would be willing to do the interview. And since Drew Meyer versus Barnaby Edwards does not have the same ring, <laughs> I told them that I would agree to do the interview if I got Barnaby Edwards, not the guest, but the interviewer's name badge. So he couldn't make it to the convention. I got his name badge. I wrote a little sign that said, not Barnaby Edwards, and taped it in front of uh, my my stand. And uh, it was an amazing interview. And... Uh, maybe not surprising to anybody, so much of the conversation was about big Finnish lunches. This was a this is a really big Finnish. So we kept on turning things like you know stories that you've written, stories you produced and acted in, and you get a, a hand would raise in the audience and they would go, so tell us about the lunches, and we would talk about that for ten minutes, and then the next question would eventually circle back around to the lunches. Uh, <laughs> It's pretty cool. Uh, so that was a fun topic of conversation. Speaking of food, not only did I get a chance to interview the next guest, but on several occasions I got a chance to sit down and have meals with him, uh, which was quite cool and slightly intimidating because he is a very tall man. This is Richard Ashton. 
Uh, by the way, this podcast is Who and Company. Very good. Uh, very good. Yes, we, we enjoy it. It's new. We've been here. It's monthly. We've been doing it since January. Oh, we great. bring in folks from all walks of life who uh, like Doctor Who or have been a part of Doctor Who. Right. We bring them on and we briefly talk about Doctor Who and then we talk about something that isn't Doctor Who. Oh, great. Uh, okay, cool. Normally what we like to do is we like to bring folks on and to talk about a television program that is important to them. Something that is not Doctor Who. Something that's, so. And what I've been saying today is, and to anyone listening to this podcast is going to hear this a lot, Let's say you're flipping through the channels. Mm-hmm. What's that show that's going to stop you from moving to that next station oh. and it's going to make you sit down and watch it? Or that you're going to recommend to somebody else and go, you know, have you seen so-and-so? And it doesn't have to be current. It can be something from your childhood. It could be something that left an impression. Well, do you answer the question accurately? If I was to expect you to sit down today um, and was flipping through, I find it very hard to flip past M.A.S.H., Mash. Mm. Okay. Even though I have seen every single episode ever, because I did spend a, quite a long time unemployed at one point with the dog on the sofa and watched all of them. Um, but no, if it's there, I'll watch that because it's always current. It always feels fresh. Yeah. Uh, there's always something I've missed. Um, there was a, a part dramatization called Edge of Darkness with Bob Peck and Joanne Wally back in the 80s. Yeah. That's the thing I always say to people go check it out. It was doing something with TV drama. Um, she's dead at the beginning of the drama, and he spends a lot of his time talking to her. They do that beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, the original House of Cards, yeah, with Ian Richardson. Again, go look at it again. There's so much stuff in it. I mean, we're so lucky. We just had a, a series on in the UK called Happy Valley. Yeah. And if anyone hasn't seen it right now, that's my thing. This is go and see it. Get it. Watch what she is doing. Watch what they are doing. They're, they're creating naturalistic dialogue in a way that I believe in a in an accent that's quite native to me, to my part of the world. Um, but it's doing something with TV drama, which is very very clever. What is it that um, pulls you into shows like Mash or House of the original House of Cards? Uh, is it the drama? Is it the writing? Is it the acting? Is it something that transports you to a time where you I think enjoyed sitting on the couch with your dog? No, I, I tend not to watch nostalgia shows mm-hmm. uh, because because then then you become aware of sitting on the couch. You want something right. that makes you not aware of sitting on the couch that puts you into it. So it's characters. You get involved in characters. Um, I mean, although I've done quite a lot of action adventure TV, I've always hoped or tried to, to get character into it. You know, these people are, are in an action sequence for a reason. You know, it's not just a, a truck going over a cliff. There's something going on. We want to know what happens to these people. We want to find out what happens to them. And if if you know, I'm not engaged in those characters, I, I literally can't watch it. Sure. I, I just get uncomfortable and want to move on. So let's assume you could open up a parallel dimension to a universe where you can step into the role of any of these characters from a program that you could you could then portray them. Mm-hmm. And you would feel, I know this is tricky for an actor to say, but you would feel satisfied in your portrayal of that character. Ooh. Is I know, right? I know. That's, that's a big book I'm opening up there. But if you could jump into a role, you're like, I really wish that was me. I really wish when people down the line looked and saw this, this is the legacy that I want to kind of project. I mean, I know a lot of it is jumping to the next role because that's mm. sort of what you do. But is there something where you're like, I wish I could be... This well, actually, this, this almost answers both questions because you're never satisfied. You always see something. And, I mean, some people say they never watch their work. And I kind of believe them because the minute I watch it, I always think, I wish I'd done that different. Why did I make that choice? That was okay. That was an okay choice. Now I can see a better one. So in a funny kind of way, if you said to me right now, you're never going to play another part. 
You're never going to play another part. But what you are going to get the chance to do is to revisit things you've done and see if you can improve them. Or revisit shows and play other characters in those shows. I say, yes, please, thank you very much. All right, which one? Um, I'd love to go back to Little John. Yeah. Uh, and do what we were, some of us were trying to do with that show, uh, which was to elevate it in, 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 into something which was comedic, but really quite meaningful, quite sort of, n not in any way dramatic or adult, but... Uh, there's a lot about relationships that when we got it right it worked really really well sure um, and it was an action adventure show too I'm yeah. very keen on that and that idea I, I love pantomime in, in Britain uh, when done well it has everything it has action it has comedy it has a spectacle it has romance it has character it has pathos and if you can do all of those things at the same time and that's what I would be going back to those roles to look to do um, you know even some of the, the, the lighter sitcoms I've done uh, you look at them and go, yeah, we could have got more in. I mean, Susan Hampshire and I did a sitcom together while I was her, her son in a sitcom. And we were constantly trying to say, yes, here's the gag. But how do we make that meaningful? How do we make that funny? How do we make that slightly more pointed? And, and that's, that's the world, which is why I love the theatre, because, of course, you get to do that every single night. Let's do it all again. But this time, let's do it a bit better. Well, let's get that bit a bit better, that bit a bit better. Um, that's brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us. Great pleasure. And feel free to take pictures of the uh, unusual microphone if you haven't done so already. <laughs> yeah, so just a few nights ago, the wife and I sat down to watch a Christmas movie. So we turned on Netflix to see what was new, and this movie popped up called The Christmas Prince. So, <laughs> as I always do, I pulled up IMDb on my phone to see who might be in it. And one of the first names that popped up was Richard Ashton. I was like, hey, that's the guy Drew just interviewed. <laughs> that's cool. And, that's uh, neat. So tell us, uh, tell everybody who he played on on Doctor Who. Uh, well, Richard Ashton is, like I said before, the beginning uh, is a very big individual, and so most of the time he is in those suits. And most recently, he was Friday from the Empress of Mars, and you can you can absolutely get why he would be hired to be a large, intimidating ice warrior because <laughs> uh, he's. A very large and not really intimidating individual. He's a total sweetheart uh, and a pleasure to sit down and chat with. And speaking of the Christmas Prince, occasionally I guest on a podcast called The Christmas Creeps. And it is a podcast that every other week reviews a Christmas movie, regardless of the time of year. Uh, most Christmas movies I've found are kind of garbage. Uh, and they think they go out of their way to search them out. So I'm very curious to see what'll happen when we review the christmas prince uh, so do not do not spoil it for me we'll have to see how that one goes um uh speaking of very sweet and very strange uh you you have <laughs> our very last interview which i i heard this interview a couple of times and i just loved it she just seems like the sweetest person ever we are talking about katie manning and katie manning is not from this planet. I think <laughs> I think it's safe to say that she is a luminous being of light. She is all hugs and sweetness. And the fact that she remembered me from a couple of conventions previous just melted my heart. It's so I get a, I got really intimidated sitting down with Waris Hussein. I got really intimidated with sitting down with Sylvester McCoy. There's there's no intimidation with Katie Manning. She won't allow you to be intimidated. She just <laughs> grabs you and you start talking. Usually you just let her do all the talking, but mm -hmm. uh, 
yeah, we got some really amazing things. The conversation went all over the place, and we have a little bit of a bonus conversation uh, that we'll talk about right after this. <laughs> Our guest today is, of course, <laughs> the luminous being known as Katie Manning. How are you? I'm really good now. Good. I'm That's... glad. Is it because I'm here or is it because you're at Long Island Who? It's a bit of both, actually. Oh, good. Well, that's what I like to hear. You know, this is called a jolly good combination. <laughs> I'll take it. I will take it. Oh, it's good to have you back. We're really excited to, to <laughs> have you. This is good to have me back. I was yeah. here a couple of weeks ago, and I ended up in ER. Oh, no. What happened? Yeah. I traveled really ill, and I was I was in such pain on the plane, and I had to do a plane change because it was, you know, Wichita, and blah, 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 so you have to get out and get on what looks like a silver cigar holder. Sure. You know. Uh, and I'd done nine hours to get to Houston, and I, I, I literally had been hiding, crying in pain. Anyway, it turned out I had a, an ear infection, a sinus infection, and pneumonia. But guess what? I did a two-hour improvisation of Iris. You know, you know, like, uh, no, two no, hours yeah. improvised Iris, bringing in, because I do one now. Sure, sure. Bringing in audience. And apparently, I, I'm like the drunk at a party. I don't remember anything, but apparently it was absolutely <laughs> wonderful. I said, don't ever tell me what I did. Because apparently I don't know what drugs they put me on, darling, but I just went... <laughs> we're afraid to tell you that there actually wasn't an audience there. We just were just what really happened. We're afraid we just can't actually tell you. So we're just going to. But I tell did you. it. I yeah. got through it, and I didn't stop working. I and mean, I think for an old woman of my age, it ain't bad going. Now, well, you know, <laughs> get this woman some drugs. Let's see it again. Yeah, I think just really, darling, I, think... I come from the seventies. Let's not go there. <laughs> Well, uh, even though I would just like to sit here and, and kind of gaze it's not upon what you for the to next do, is five it, darling? Well, we're I mean, it could be. Talk sensibly. Sensibly? No. Did no. I just say that word? Listen, if we were talking sensibly, I'd be turning off the mic right on now. That word. <laughs> no one tunes in and listens to you talk sensibly. No one's going to tune in and talk to me. Actually, I don't Although know how to do. Sorry, don't get me started on mushrooms. Otherwise, we're going to be here for a long time. Because for from, for uh, cooking purposes. For also our planet, because if oh, we yes. leave our planet alone and stop interfering, there's something for everything. Yes, absolutely. And there's a mushroom that eats plastic. Yes, I know, right? Wonderful. I mean, so we can't... The mushroom is one of the most... I've been on this, this... This is my thing today. Yes, yes. Well, it might be something else to wear, but today it's mushrooms. Yes. Because the magic of those shrooms, baby... Yes. ...is quite something. We're just going to edit that bit. That's all where anyone's going to hear. And then it's, <laughs> it's, we're going to have some nice sound effects. And like... Wow. The rest of your conversation, we're going to put it into a, a, a voice enhancer. Sitar going in there. Listen, if I can put sitar into any of my podcasts, you know I'm doing that podcast a service. Uh, so a we'll... little ravishanka goes a long way when you're talking mushrooms. Yes. Well, there you go. Oh, I can't wait to edit this one. This is going to be a hoot. Well, one of the things that we do uh, is the podcast I'm currently working on is called Who and Company, and we bring in folks from all walks of life who are either a part of Doctor Who or fans of Doctor Who. And we bring them on and talk about something other than Doctor Who. Uh, and I'm it's, prone to do that yes. a lot. Listen, I, I know you have answered a number of these questions more than once. I'm happy to answer any question that anybody asks. If I can remember. <laughs> any uh, question. If you're here to hear, folks, any question. Really, if not, I will make something up. Yeah, there you go. You know? Um, but also, I think the great thing about having been a part of Doctor Who and doing all these things is that it amazes me that you can get an audience just as interested in other things right. because we're all here together. 
for the right reasons, you know, because this is a ginormous international super family as far as I'm concerned. Yes. You know, and I come to these things because I just want to hug my way through, you know. And you do. Anybody and everybody that's part of this delicious family <laughs> that I am so honoured to be now an elderly member of, dear, and don't you forget it. <laughs> I'm, yes, ma'am. Exactly. You know, I, get, I'm, I'm, I go through the world now flashing my freedom pass at everybody, which is, for those who don't know, means I travel for nothing now because I'm so old. You do, you travel for nothing in England. That's brilliant. So I go through with my seniors pass coming through, out of my way, out of my way. I was in a queue yesterday at the airport and, and um, at this end, getting through passports, you know. Um, and I filled in my little form that you had to fill in and you do all that. And I was in the... And I said to this lovely lady who was sort of ushering us, I'll answer a proper question in a minute. Um, anyway, and I, I just said, I hope we get through soon because I haven't got that much in front of me now, likewise. <laughs> you know, I really don't want to go in a queue before I get into... <laughs> and then when I got through and he said, oh, I don't need that bit of paper. I said, I sat on that plane, darling, you know, with my eyeballs swirling, filling on all these little tiny boxes and you don't want it. He said, no, ma'am, I started to laugh because <laughs> I'm taking this poor man in all these uniform and badges to task. Yes. Well, you know, that was a lot of my life went into that form. <laughs> what, a, what if it had been your last moments? What if that? What, what is the legacy that you're? Nobody thinking? would have noticed. No, oh, well. <laughs> One down, aisle three. <laughs> <laughs> Clean up. <laughs> You're going to need the small cart for this one. A <laughs> tissue box will get this one out. It's like a snake. Even though it, she seems to be lifeless, if you get too close, she will hug you. <laughs> yes, even after death. There you go. Yes, it's an automatic response. This loving hug. Oh, oh, I feel terrified and feel wonderful at the same time. And then suddenly the body stiffens and you can never, never. get those arms removed. As Listen, I'm going to go ahead and say there are worse fates than, than probably having you... Uh, Glassed in, well, you could, in you life. You could use and, uh, me as, as like, a, like a little backpack thing. Yes. Couldn't you? you can just like make sure there's a little zipper in my head and I'd be just attached to you and everywhere you went you could put that's it and you get <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this was the interview that you planned was it? This is uh, this is actually a lot more cohesive than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> she says as she moves her cough medicine or her tooth medicine further away from the thing. Oh God, Iris Wild Time with with pneumonia is something I yeah. really one day may have to hear. Oh, I'm sure it's out there. If, if, it, if it was uh, at a convention, I guarantee you it's somewhere. It's on the internet. Well, I do say to people, please don't, when I'm talking, don't take photographs on me because there's a lot of I'm prone to be very physical. And you will find me crawling across floors and, you know, fully, you know, lying in the aisle. And, because when you're telling a story, but when you see a photo of a woman doing that, you actually say, my God. It's like, this is absolutely true once. I did something, a convention somewhere. <laughs> and they said to me, did you have a little drink before you went on? Oops, there he goes again. Whoops, did you have a little drink before you went on? And I said, no, darling, I don't drink. And they said, but you can't do what you just did unless you've had drinks. And I thought, so people actually think I'm permanently drunk Wait, because I behave so wackily. You're not? No. I have to I have, no, I have to whole, rethink the whole universe Darling, I now. have no excuse. <laughs> Isn't that a terrible thing to say? I have no excuse for my appalling behavior. 
We wouldn't have it any other way. Just trying to imagine. I just get excited. Yes. Well, why wouldn't you? I just get You're very you. excited, and people make me. You know, I'm like that kid at the party that's had too much red cordial. <laughs> I'm just overexcited. What kind of parties are you having? And then when she goes, you go, oh, thank God she's gone. <laughs> but no, coming to these these conventions is is one of the greatest, truly. You know, it doesn't matter what else you're doing, which one has got a whole life as an actress out there, you know, that I'm feeling. But to, to come to these things and to still be a part of this incredible show, you know, it's, I am the luckiest, luckiest person in the world in my own little head. Well, we are lucky you know, to have you. I love it. And let's all get together and start loving this beautiful planet ours. Stop messing about being appalling. You know, let's just start really appreciating what we have around us and each other. And let's be people, not just two different sexes. Let's be people on a beautiful planet. Done. That's my serious bit done. for the day, and I mean it. And you are lovely, and thank you so much. And that's the prettiest microphone I've ever spoken into. All right. I love it. That's how I'm ending that. <laughs> Pretty microphones. And away we go. Very sweet lady. I really hope uh, I get the chance to hang out with her very soon. I highly recommend it. Uh, it's she is medicinal in nature. I I noticed actual uh, withdrawal the following day when I didn't get <laughs> a Katie Manning hug. Uh, all right, Brent. We promised seven interviews, but in the beginning we also said one that was exceptionally weird, and now it is time for that interview. Once my interview with Katie Manning ended, there was a shift. So some of our guests were leaving and new guests were coming in for interviews. And I got a little extra time with Katie and we were talking and something really unusual came up. And so I took out my phone and I recorded this very short little bit. I can't preface it any more than saying (laughs) it wasn't what I was expecting. So you know what? Without further ado... Here it is. What is exactly that is now going into your will? It's going into my will that after I've cocked it, fallen off me perch, whatever way you like to look at it, kick the bucket, would you like me as a backpack? Uh, this is a legally abiding audio recording. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, I, it may take a little bit to explain to my wife, but absolutely, I would like the Katie Manning backpack. You got it, kid. The post-mortem, Katie Manning post-mortem backpack. You got it. Free hugs forever. (laughs) That laugh continued for about five seconds. Uh, Then she leaned over, kissed me on the forehead, and just walked off. Uh, So, you know what? I have that to look forward to. The Katie Manning postmortem backpack. Free hugs forever. I don't know. It's a little weird. But that's Katie Manning. Uh, And that's... That's it for our November episode. Yeah. Looking forward to next month's guests also, and we'll make sure it gets out on time. Speaking of time, Drew, uh, let's make sure it's not another 11 months before we hang out again. Absolutely too true. Uh, But speaking of hanging out, thank you for hanging out and joining us for this episode of Who and Company. Who and Company, come for the fandom. Stay for the company. Thanks for joining us at Who and Company. Special shout out to Pixel Who for providing our logo. They can be found at facebook.com slash pixelhoo. Who and Company can now be found on iheartradio.com, or you can download the podcast directly from whoandcompany.libson.com. You can also contact us on Twitter at 
Who and Company, or email us at whoandcompany at yahoo.com. See you next month.